Podcasts are pretty common. So what makes the Uncommon Podcast uncommon? Well, it's all in our name. I'm your host, Noah Weiss, and we at Uncommon Sports Group understand the unique pressures and temptations that come with a career in the sport industry. We provide uncommon training that helps you successfully navigate common challenges. Hit the follow button on this podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Check out our website and become uncommon. What's up, USG fam? Welcome back to the Uncommon Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Weiss, and I'm excited to share with you our fourth release of seven special edition podcasts that will feature messages from our lineup of speakers during the first ever Christians Working in Sports Conference this past summer. This week will feature a message from well-renowned sports agent and founder of KMM Sports, Kelly Masters. In her message, Kelly talks about living a life that is centered around God's mission and purpose in the world, all while managing a career in the sport industry. If you like this content, you won't want to miss the 2024 Christians Working in Sports Conference on June 21st and 22nd in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Click the link in the description of this podcast to visit the CWS Conference website to register or learn more about next summer's conference. With that, enjoy this podcast featuring Kelly Masters' message from the 2023 CWS Conference. I just love that. I love this. First of all, I love being you all. Drew, the entire Uncommon Sports Group group, thank you so much for making this happen. I am so excited about what God is doing in the sports world. I'm excited about what he's doing in this room with every single person that is here uh, for this weekend. I just, I love this. And the other thing that I love, I love the Holy Spirit because I had no idea that clip was going to be shown of us at what, Super Bowl three years ago? No idea that was the clip. I had no, the speakers that you're hearing this weekend uh, we didn't all get on a call or send out a memo and say, these are the bullet points that we're going to talk about. And yet God is, or like he's orchestrating this entire weekend with exactly the message. We're all speaking his word so consistently. The messages that God has given us to give to you are so consistent. Um, clearly the Holy Spirit knows exactly what we all need to hear. I told someone earlier, I'm going to be preaching to myself today as much as I'm sharing the word with you all. Uh, but it's just so cool to see how God works and to see how, how truly present and how much he cares about the details, so much so that he has, has spoken and given all the speakers and all of us those same messages that need to be heard and need to be reiterated to this specific group of people who are pressing in, working in or around sports, and wanting to live out their purpose uh, of serving God, advancing the kingdom, and loving others. And so it's an honor and a joy to be, to be part of all of this. I was telling my husband as I was getting ready this morning, every time I speak, uh, and I don't get to speak as much as I would love to, uh, but every time I speak, I really try to listen uh, and not just have a, am I causing that? Clicking. I'm so sorry if that's me. I apologize. I'll try not to move as much. I'm, I'm animated. I apologize. 
I was telling my husband about preparing for this specific talk and this event, and, and God really has been speaking to me for months, and, and even especially the last couple of days, about specifically what he wants uh, for you all to hear. And I, I told my husband, I said, this is a special group. Because sometimes when I'm preparing to speak for a group, God will give me an outline. He'll give me a few points, a couple of scriptures. For this event and this group, my goodness, God has just been downloading and downloading. I'm like, God, I only have 45 minutes. I can't, I can't cover all of that. It's going to have to be covered by everybody else. But just know God has been thinking about you. And he knew you were going to be here. And he has specific things for all of you to hear, not just from me. And, and I, I pray, and my prayer this morning was, God, I, I don't want it to be me just talking about myself or, or saying what I want to say. I really want to speak your mind. I want to speak your words. And, and really, and, and what God was guiding me on as I prepared for today too, is there others that are coming in to, to this particular environment are here to encourage and inspire you. And I want to encourage and inspire you, but God is really telling me, I need to give you all some tools to equip you. Because we can stand up here and talk about, you need to spend time with God, and you need to pray, and we need to press in and love others and serve. And yes, we all need to hear that. But sometimes, I know especially when I started my walk with God, and I started my walk with God in my early 20s, there were things I just didn't know how to do. I didn't know, where do I even start? How do I even know? How do I live on mission without even knowing what the mission is? How, what, how do I know specifics? How do I connect? And I talked about it in that, uh, that clip. And that's, again, so funny that that was shown um, because it's not, walking with God is not just about checking the boxes. It's not just, well, I went to church and I did my prayer time and I read my devotional for today and, and now I can go and work. And then I can go to church on Sunday and then I can get up in the morning and I can do my, check all the boxes again. That's how I, quite honestly, I grew up in that sort of environment. Now, I, I talk about coming to know Jesus in my early 20s, but I grew up in Oklahoma where everybody called themselves a Christian. It was just, were you a Methodist, a Baptist, a Pentecostal? Everyone called themselves a Christian. It was just kind of assumed. And for me, I said I was a Christian. We went to church, not all the time, but some of the time. And, and for me, there was nothing, there, church and God had nothing to do practically in my life with relationship or faith. And God created, he literally created human beings for relationship. And he designed us to need relationship. And he designed us also to operate by faith. So those are the things that I want to talk to you about today is how to establish and grow and cultivate that relationship and how to operate in faith. You know, lately, well, probably about a few weeks ago, I was, uh, I was on my morning run, and lately, and maybe it's just because I'm getting older, I, I used to never walk, but now I'll stop and I'll walk, and a lot of times during that time, I'll talk to God, I'll listen. And one particular morning was getting a little bit, things had just been really, really challenging. As you heard, I'm, I'm an agent, uh, I'm working in a, a very, very difficult industry uh, as an NFL agent. And some days are really, actually every day, can be really challenging. And I know all of you understand that. There are always challenges when you work in any industry, but especially in sports. There can be some real darkness and some adversity that you have to overcome. And I was walking and I was pouring out my heart to God. wasn't really listening like I should have been. But I was asking him all these questions. God, why every single day do I feel like I have to live the impossible? 
why every single day do I feel like I'm expecting, I'm having to believe for a miracle every day of my life? Who lives like that? And, and he very quickly convicted me. I'm like, well, think about when Jesus was walking on earth during his heavenly ministry. His disciples had to believe every single day. They had to expect, they were operating in miracles every single day. So basically the Holy Spirit said, shut up, you're in good company. If you're having to live every single day, expecting miracles and living the impossible. And as I have learned, uh, because of the, the disciplines that were taught to me early on in my walk, when I have questions, when I'm dealing and struggling with questions, the only place to go, the first place, well, not the only, but the very first place to go is to the Word of God. When you have questions, there are always answers. Always answers. It is a powerful, it is not just a book, it is a powerful powerful tool with all the answers to all the questions. And so I decided, you know what, I spend time in the Word every day, but I really, really need to get intentional about rereading the entire New Testament. I will say this, and my, my husband says this all the time, when he became a believer, he read straight through the New Testament seven times, and it changed his life. And so I realized, you know what, I'm struggling with, with questions. I'm obviously needing to grow. I need, I need to spend more time in the Word and be more intentional about it. Uh, not just opening my Bible and reading something or reading a devotional. I need to get intentional about reading back through the New Testament. And so one of the tools, again, one of the things that I, I want to advise you today is get a plan. Whether it's on, and I recommend the Bible app. Does everyone have, anyone have the Bible app? If you're not familiar with the Bible app, download it this weekend or whatever app you want to use, but find a plan. I, I highly recommend the 60-day New Testament journey. You can read through the New Testament in 60, 60 days. It's not hard. It's about three or four chapters a day. And so I made that decision. After that walk with God, I made that decision that I would start that 60-day plan again. And it's so amazing how the Word will start to speak to you, and God will start to reveal things to you just as you're reading his word. It's not just like reading a book, not any old book. You're reading God's word and he is, things are jumping out and speaking to you in new ways every single time you read it. It's amazing. And what jumped out to me over the last few weeks is how many times, specifically in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, how many times the word talks about the impossible and about how with man this is impossible but with God, all things are possible. And that's not just one or two times in the Gospels. That is repeated multiple times throughout the Word, and especially during, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. The, the, the constant just reiteration of that, that yes, what you see in the world, it's impossible to do what you're called to do, but with God, all things are possible. Now, that is the, the main thing that I want to focus on in that, that particular verse that appears, I think, at least nine times in the Gospels uh, is actually the word things. Because it doesn't say, say everything, any old thing. It says all things are possible with God. And so if you are wanting to, and this is, again, what God really was, pre was impressing on me to share with you all today and teach about today is how to really make sure you are getting specific with what God has called you to do. And you'll understand, under, the, under that fact and principle, you'll understand my story uh, a little bit more of how I discovered 
what my mission was and how important it was for me to know what God's mission is. So when the word says all things are possible, that means the things that God gives you to do are possible. So you got to figure out what those things are. I didn't understand that at first when I first became a believer because, again, as I told you, I grew up uh, sort of saying I was a Christian but having no faith and no relationship. And because I had no faith and I, because I had no relationship, I saw it. I was, I was hungry. I was hungry for what we were designed for, which is what John Gordon talked about, which is love, and what Johnny talked about, which is love. I was so hungry for love because I lacked faith and I lacked relationship. And that manifested itself in me seeking out love and approval and attention through performance. All of us who are in this room, we're either athletes we, or, or we're very, very driven people. And so we get that. We understand performance and wanting to be excellent. Nothing wrong with wanting to be excellent. But when your worth and your identity and your value are tied to your performance, it leads you to a very dark, very empty, and very separated and lonely place. And that's not God's design for our lives. Again, our, God's design is for relationship and for living by faith. And so I grew up with this, again, performance mindset. And because of that, there was a ton of fear. And I, I talk about fear probably more than I talk about anything else when I speak, especially to young people. Uh, I talk about how fear can, can lock you up. How fear can actually, if fear is what's driving you to achieve because you're afraid of failure or you're afraid of not being good enough or you're afraid of letting someone down, afraid of making a mistake, uh, afraid of not being perfect and having it all together and having it all figured out, you can let fear drive you to achievement. And when fear drives you to achievement, it's never enough. You always have to do more. Well, I have to do more. That wasn't enough. That's why you see, and I experienced this as a, at a young age. I won my first national title when I was 12 years old. And they put the medal around my neck, and I walked into the back hallway. It was at Notre Dame University. I walked into the back hallway, and I burst into tears. And my mom, who was very, very... Uh, and she, she believed in me so much, but she pushed me really, really hard. And she said, what is wrong? You just won. And I said, is this it? I just had this, this sudden horrible emptiness that I couldn't explain. But I just realized that winning and achieving didn't fill me up. I felt more depressed and sad and worried about, okay, now I have to keep winning. And now I have to do more. And I have to work even harder. I was so empty. And we've heard stories of, of Olympic gold medalists that experience suicidal thoughts. And there are obviously a whole host of reasons for those things. But it's because we, we were designed to live not in this fear of failure mindset or even this performance mindset. We were designed for relationship and to walk out the mission and the, the calling that God has put on our lives. That is what's fulfilling. And fear doesn't take us there. Faith does purpose does, mission does, seeking and fulfilling our calling does. And so I, throughout that entire my youth, uh, I wrestled with, again, uh, that constant being driven by fear and never, never having enough. It, it drove me into wrong relationships, that hunger for love. You're trying to fill it up with, you know, I, I desperately wanted a boyfriend and then I desperately wanted to get married. And it drove me again to a very dark and very empty place to a point where, and this is amazing how God does this, he knew that if I had questions, I would go seek out answers to them. And he designed all of us that way. He designed all of us to need the craving to know and to be known. 
He designed us that way. And so as I asked my questions, and I remember a specific moment in time, and I think, Jason, you and I talked about this on the Sports Spectrum podcast, during law school, when I had this long laundry list of, you know, my, my resume and my list of goals that I'd set when I was 10 years old that I'd checked off, and, and I was still in the most miserable place in my life. And I was, I was going back, I remember walking back and forth each night during law school from my apartment, which was right next to the law library, walk over to the law library, study for hours and hours, walk back. And on my walk back, I would always look up at the sky. And that was my, my questioning time. I would say, God, are you real? Do you exist? Is there more? Because I knew there was more. We're all designed for more than what this world has to offer. I knew that I knew there was more. But I, I just, it, that, that craving was in me, but it had not been satisfied by anything. And so I just kept looking at God, and I remember asking, you know, I, I've read in the Bible about healing. Why don't we see healing anymore? I've read about, this was the biggie for me, I've read about you speaking to people, about God speaking to people and people doing what they heard from God to do. Why don't you talk to us anymore? Why don't we hear your voice? Why aren't you booming in and telling this person to do this or that person to do that? Why can't we hear you? Why, why are you not speaking? And God took that specific question to draw me in his goodness and his mercy to draw me to him. And I remember reaching out to someone that I had remembered. I, I was just in a dark, dark, desperate place, um, truly ready to crawl under a rock and just not exist anymore. Um, I, just, I just was so exhausted and so uh, tired of the fear, tired of the anxiety, tired of the stress of never feeling like I was enough, never feeling like I was ever going to get it right or be enough, and still having to pretend that I had it all together and that I was successful and and, you know, a role model and for people to look up to. And inside I thought, I'm just, I'm a mess. I am a failure. I am uh, so empty. I just want to end it all. And I remember sitting down and I remember picking up the phone and calling someone that had prayed for me when I was six years old. She was my baton twirling teacher. <laughs> and I remember going home from that lesson and telling my parents, she actually knows God. Like, like she, she knows. I had no concept of that wasn't a church concept to me. I was like, no, she actually, like, she talks to him, and, and he talks to her, and he tells her things. <laughs> she knows him. She, like, actually knows Jesus, too. <laughs> it's amazing. And my parents kind of dismissed it. Oh, she's crazy, you know. Don't, don't pay attention to that. But that conversation, that, that one prayer, and being around her and seeing how she operated in her life caused me to, to internalize that seed of truth, that God does talk to God does care about us so much that he wants us to hear his voice and know him, and know him personally. Now, all those years, I had built up this idea that, again, because I was performance-driven, performance-based, that I was so far gone that I wasn't, for me, to have access to that kind of relationship where I could talk to God and I could hear from him and have that intimacy, that I wasn't, I was too unqualified. I wasn't special enough. I wasn't talented enough. I had gone too far away from him. I wasn't, um, I wasn't qualified to receive his love and to hear his voice. And that is such a tool of the enemy that he still tries to use on all of us, especially when things are not going well or we have messed up, that, well, God can't help you now. God doesn't love you as much now. 
And I had reached that place where I just, I was so desperate that I picked up the phone and I called that teacher and I said, remember when you used to pray for me and remember when um, you would talk to God and he would tell things, he would show you things and he would lead you in your life and, and in the things that you knew that God had, had chosen for you to do. Is that available to me? I just need to know. And if it's not, I'll just go on about my life. But I just want to know if that's available to me. And I remember her saying, she's like, I've been praying for you for 20 years. <laughs> I've been expecting this phone call. So, by the way, sorry to get emotional, but don't give up on the people and the kiddos that you're praying for, the people in your life that don't know God. Don't give up. They're watching. They're watching your example. They're watching if you trust God or not. And in that moment, after that phone call, I got on my knees, and I still to this day call it my road to Damascus moment. <laughs> Jesus didn't appear to me, you know, it wasn't anything quite that dramatic. But I knew that I knew that something had been reborn and changed inside of me. In that moment, even though I had said the sinner's prayer several times before, I had never truly surrendered my life. To Jesus and said, you know what, God, I'm tired of pretending. I'm tired of holding all of this, trying to hold up the facade of this perfect looking life. I am tired of all of this and I just want to surrender it to you. And I just, I'm tired of trying to please everybody. And I just, I just want to please you. And the, um, the love and the peace and the joy and the hope that filled me in that moment when I, it wasn't a check the box moment. It was an I surrender moment. It was a moment when I said, I am done living for me and living for everybody else. And I just, I just want to live for you. And in that moment, again, God, re, he, he gives you new birth in your spirit. Your soul still has to grow, <laughs> right? Your soul and your mind is still going to be renewed day after day after day, and it's a process. But your spirit can be saved in an instant. And from that moment forward, what I felt the rush of, in addition to the love and the peace and the hope and the joy, was an immense desire to serve. And this is where I come back to the importance of things, the things that are possible, the God things that are possible. In that moment with my desire to serve, I got up off my knees and I proclaimed, great, I am going to move to Africa and be a missionary. Because that's what you do, right? When, you, when God saves you, you leave law school. And you walk out and you go into the mission field, which I would have been terrible at, by the way. I would have been totally ill-equipped to be a missionary. But that was just, in my mind, that was my reasoning, is God says all things are possible. I'm going to go be a missionary in Africa. I'm going to take care of orphans, and I'm going to live out my days there, just serving. Because I was just so, honestly, I was tired of being, this is kind of ironic, I was tired of being on stage. I had been on stage and a performer and an achiever my entire life. I just wanted to serve. And fortunately, I had some great mentors, spiritual mentors in my life at that time that said, Kelly, what you need tools. <laughs> you need to read the Bible, you need to learn to pray, and you need to learn to hear his voice and obey him. And the biggest, the first, and this was so key, the first scripture that, uh, and when I responded, well, how do I hear him? Like, is it possible? That was one of my big questions. God, can I hear you? Why don't you speak to people anymore? One of my mentors told me, go read John 10. And there's going to be so much to unpack in John 10. But John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. You've given your life to him. You are, you're one of his now. And the word promises you 
That is not a promise from a man. That is a promise from God that you can hear his voice and know his voice. And so, of course, the questions kept coming, and I just kept going to the word, going to the word. And through that process of prayer and the word, and then being willing to listen and obey, I found, I, first of all, I realized I was not supposed to move to Africa. Although the, the seed was planted, I still wanted to do, to do mission work. God just, it needed to be God's mission for me, not the mission that looked, looked good. I wanted to go do big things for Jesus. But God knew exactly what he was doing. And, and he had all along been trying to say, look, Kelly, if you'll just sit with me, if you'll just get to know me, you'll hear what I'm telling you to do, and you can live in that. So that's what I did. I spent the time. I started understanding how to hear the voice of God. And it was so funny because God, uh, as much as I was filled with hope and joy and love, I also knew that God did not want me to get comfortable. Now, he wanted me to be, he didn't want me to be miserable. But I knew that even though I had been in this place of fear and anxiety and questions, that was a comfortable place for me. I had grown comfortable with just living in this fear and stress pattern. Can anyone relate? That's just part of life. You're just kind of comfortable there. Just hang out there. That's just life. That's just, we just got to accept it. That's life. And every single stage of my life, I can look back that as soon as I started to get comfortable, God would speak, okay, here's what I want you to do next. So right after I got saved, when I wanted to go and serve in orphanages, God said, no, I want you to go compete in this Oklahoma pageant. What? <laughs> I was already a contestant. I was going to drop out of that and law school. And I said, God, why? I want to serve. Why, why would you put me on stage? That's not where I want to be. It was uncomfortable. I did, that's not where I wanted to be. And yet God pushed me, and I got out of my comfort zone. Here's the cool thing, though. I heard someone say this, and it so resonated with me. When God calls you and you step out of your comfort zone, guess what he gives you? The Holy Spirit. Guess what he calls the Holy Spirit? The comforter. How cool is that? We need to get out of our comfort zone and get in his. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. And so in each step, even though it was scary to take, the comforter was always there. So I stepped into that role for a year. I served as Miss Oklahoma, and I thought, man, I am on a roll. I'm going to be a public speaker now. I'm going to be on fire and in front of crowds of thousands. And that next step was God calling me to work in a mall selling makeup. Yeah, that was kind of humbling. And I remember a moment, and I talk about it in, in the book that I wrote last couple years ago. Uh, I remember a moment when I was, I was doing inventory at Dillard's. I don't know if anyone's familiar with Dillard. It was a Dillard's Estee Lauder counter that I worked at. I was like, God, why? Why would you have me selling makeup? Like, I was on stage wearing a crown, and now I have to, like, do makeovers for teenage girls that are not going to buy anything? This is really, really humiliating. Oh, my first job for Estee Lauder was walking around with the perfume bottle. That was fun. And it was a, it was a new fragrance that they had called, Ple well, Pleasures was a, an Estee Lauder fragrance, but they had released a fragrance for men, so I had to walk around the mall wearing an apron that said Pleasures for Men. Awesome. <laughs> Total humiliation with a perfume bottle. So I, I remember stocking perfume and makeup and saying, God, why am I here? Like, what, what am I doing here? And he said, I, I, thought you wanted me to, I thought you wanted to serve me. Like, yeah, but I'm stocking makeup. But I learned to listen to him and to be excellent and to, to listen in every phase of my life just to be obedient. 
and step when he told me to step. And he says, I have you here, just trust me. From there, again, step after step after step, I finished law school while I was working at the makeup counter. I got hired to be a litigator, but I also wanted to work with, because of my desire to go to Africa and be a missionary, that never left me. And my deal with God was, well, at least let me learn how to help missionaries and ministries. And so I studied nonprofit law as I finished up law school. Uh, and I worked with nonprofit organizations while I was building my legal career and learning what I needed to learn there. And in each place, God took me to a place where I was out of my comfort zone, but in his. And I learned what I needed to learn in that place. If I had not, if I look back at all the steps that he took me through. He used all of everything that he put in me and all the experiences that I went through to mold me and develop me and lead me to exactly where I was called to be from the minute I surrendered my life to him and said, I just want to trust you and obey you and hear your voice and fulfill your mission for my life. And I quit, I let go of controlling what that journey looked like and I trusted him. And so that led me to working for the law firm, doing litigation, working with nonprofits, where five years into it, just as I was about to become a partner in that law firm as a litigator, I met my first professional athlete who had started a foundation and his family needed to hire a lawyer. And I remember in a very pivotal board meeting, his mom looking at me and saying, where were you in the beginning? Why weren't you part of our lives when we were choosing an agent? And I remember laughing and saying, I am, no, I am not, I'm not Jerry Maguire material. I am an attorney. I love Jesus. I have integrity and principles. I don't belong in the, you know, the shark tank of the agent world. I've seen the movies. I, I thought I knew everything about it because I'd seen the movies and the TV shows. And she said, no, you really need to pray about it. And anytime someone says that to me, um, that's how my husband got me to marry him. Well, pray about it. <laughs> anytime someone says that, I'm like, well, now I have to. So I prayed and I said, God, I don't see it. You know, I, I didn't grow up, I grew up loving sports, but I didn't see it as a path for me. I didn't see it as a career. And so many people, as Johnny talked about yesterday, get into sports because they love sports. Quite honestly, I got into sports because I love Jesus. And it was in that conversation, again, our conversations, our words to each other matter. I was encouraged by that mom to say, dig in and pray, because there are families and there are little boys right now who will need you someday to fight for them and protect them and guide them and help them know that they're enough, even when they're not playing anymore. And she spoke that vision into me. And it, it was just one of those things that my insides lit on fire and I couldn't quench it. And I was like, this, this is the Holy Spirit. I spent, again, I went back to fasting and praying in the Word for almost a year before I finally took that step because it was a huge step. I ended up stepping into uh, not just becoming an agent, but also starting my own agency, which again was one of those impossible things. <laughs> Nobody does that. Nobody launches out on their own to start their own agency, especially not as a woman 20 years ago when that just was unheard of and was quite frankly called out. I was called out to my face, women shouldn't do this. And that's a whole nother, a whole nother topic for another day. But when God tells you to do something, I wanted to rise up and go, I am Deborah. Um, <laughs> but when God calls you to do something, what other people think or care about doesn't really matter. You can love them and show them the love of God, but it is your job to fulfill what God speaks to you. So that's 
my journey to becoming a sports agent and working in the sports world. A few things, and I wish I had so much more time. Do we have a little bit more time? Okay, good. A few more minutes. <laughs> I wanted to share, I told you I was going to equip you with some really specific tools. Um, because when I share my story, I've had people pull me aside. And quite honestly, even um, youth pastors and, and people who are in ministry will pull me aside and say, you're so sure of when you hear God. How do you get there? How do you do that? How do you, you know, I know generally that I'm called to love people and love God and, and fulfill my, my ministry of, of serving God and just being a, a good follower of Jesus. And yes, that's all our calling. We, we're all called to that. But God has very, very specific directions and missions for all of us, every single person in this room. And you're probably right in the middle of it, whether you realize it or not, that God is constantly speaking to you about, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to do. This is what I have for you next. And if we're not tuned into him, if we're not digital in our hearing, which, by the way, probably only people 30 and older understand what I mean by digital versus analog. <laughs> Does anyone else, sorry, tangent, does anyone else remember have the, have the radio in their car that you had to turn the dial and it was fuzz, 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 and then you'd hit a station? Okay, young people are probably like, that sounds ridiculous. I have no idea what you're talking about. But you would like go back and forth on the dial and it would be kind of fuzzy, but you'd finally find that one little frequency where it was pretty clear. And then we got digital radios and that was just a non-existent thing anymore. Well, we don't have to be fuzzy in our hearing for God. We don't have to be like, oh, that kind of maybe is that what it is? So getting digital is part of our growth process. When we, we're never going to be like immediately perfect, but as we spend time in the word, we spend time in prayer, we will start to, excuse me, get digital where our thoughts, the pressures of the world, the opinions of other people can be drowned out by the truth, by the voice of truth and by God's voice in our lives. And the more we press in, the more digitally in tune we become with God's voice. So, okay, tools. Number one, spend time in the Word every day, every single day, and not just when you feel like it. In fact, most of the time when you don't feel like it is when you need to be opening your Bible and reading the Word. And yes, books, podcasts, all amazing but get back in the word. Dust off your Bible. You carry it around with you. Probably most of you carry it around with you. You have it somewhere prominent in your house where you can access it at all times. If you don't, get it out. Get it in front of you. Get it next to your bed. Have multiple Bibles. Whatever you need to do. Have a Bible at work. Get in the word. Spend time with him. Even if it's just God, show me what to read. And opening it up and, and, and letting him guide you to what he has for you. But I would really encourage you to find a plan. As I mentioned at the very beginning, I recommend starting with, if you haven't done it before, the 60-day journey through the New Testament. It's on the YouTube or the uh, version Bible app. Start with a plan and get intentional about spending time in the Word every day. Because how do, you, how do you start to hear someone or understand and recognize someone's voice? You spend time with them. Back in the day, way before caller ID, way before we knew who was calling us every single time the phone rang, we were screening our calls, there would be things, these things called prank calls where someone would call you and they would pretend they were someone else. You know, this is so-and-so from the IRS. You're in trouble. Or, you know, I know what you did last summer. So prank calls used to be a thing of the past where you'd be like freaking out because who is this person and how do they know things about me? And then most of the time it was a friend of yours. Now, there were prank calls that were strangers that were just 
demented people that would try to be threatening. But every time I picked up the phone and it was a friend that I had spent time with, I'd be like, stop it, I know it's you. When you spend time with God and in his presence, you get to know his voice better. So spend time in the word. Let him guide you. Let the Holy Spirit guide you and show you what to read and then find a plan that will be helpful. And Bible studies are awesome. Group Bible studies are amazing. Obviously, community and a church family, fellowship, those are all really critical parts of our walk with God. But your one-on-one time with Jesus, that's where, it, that's where it really all starts. That's where it really all happens. That's where you hear his voice. So spend time in the Word. Get a plane going. Do that every day. Prayer. How to pray. I had no idea how to pray when I first became a believer. But I did know from going to the Methodist church how to recite uh, the Apostles' Creed, and I knew how to recite the Lord's Prayer. Here's the cool thing that I learned, and I implemented this in my daily routine every single day, and it's the most powerful thing I think I'm going to share with you today, so I saved the best for last. Uh, And it is using the Lord's Prayer as an outline every single day for your prayer life. And it's not just going through, you know, um, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be the name. It's just, it's not just wrote, like, reciting a prayer. Think about the circumstances under which Jesus shared the Lord's Prayer. He would, his disciples, who he was with every day, would see him get up early in the morning, way before the sun, and go off by himself. And then he would come back, and they would see him in power. He would perform miracles. He would turn you know, a handful of fishes and and loaves of bread into a meal for 5,000 people. He would heal the sick, uh, cast out demons. He was was doing these powerful things. And his disciples started looking, noticing, wait, like he's, we know he's the son of God, but he goes and he does something in the morning. And then he comes out with power. And so they asked him, how do we do that? How do do we, you, you go off and we know you're praying, but How do you pray? Teach us how to pray. And so God's response, Jesus' response to the question, how do we pray, was the Lord's Prayer. So I don't have time to teach the entire thing, but I'm going to share a few bits and pieces of the outline, and then I'll give you some information on how to get in touch with me. If you want the entire outline, I will send it to you. Happy Happy to share it. It's not mine. It's just an outline that I have learned, that it was taught to me years ago, that incorporates the word, that it incorporates every single aspect of your spiritual walk, your family, your friends, your community, your nation, your world, your calling, your job, um, your future. It covers everything. And sometimes I can only spend five or ten minutes on it. Sometimes I will spend two hours on it. That's when I have to get up extra early because I know it's going to be an extra challenging day. And I need that much time in prayer. And so let's break it down really quickly. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be the name. So it starts with what? Praise. We enter in with praise. God says we don't have to chase his presence. We just have to praise him. And he comes in and he inhabits our praises. So let that be first. Enter into his presence through the blood of Jesus. See yourself crucified with Christ and raised up to life and standing in the presence of our Holy Father. And you're praising him. That's how you enter in. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. When I, when I speak that and I start with that, hallowed be thy name, I actually have a list of the names of God. 
and every single one of them is meaningful to me. And I won't read off all of the, we know Jaira and uh, Rohi and um, I'm losing all of them. They're all the different, um, Yasha, all the different sort of official names of God. And I have those and I recite those. But here are the meanings. You are, and I say this to him every single morning. And again, it's not, it's not me. This is just how I learned to pray based on the outline. You are Jehovah, my Savior. You are Jehovah, my righteousness. You are Jehovah, the one who sanctifies me. You are Jehovah, my peace and my prosperity. You are God who's everywhere for me on my behalf. You are Jehovah, my dominion. You are Jehovah, my provider. You are Jehovah, my healer. You are Jehovah, my banner of victory. And you are Jehovah, my shepherd. And I speak that over my life every single morning. And I call on him to be those things. I acknowledge his power in those ways in my life. That's how it starts. So that's just our Father, heart, and heaven, hallowed be the name. The kingdom come. And you pray for his kingdom to come in every area of the priorities of your life, from your spiritual walk through your, your family, your specific calling, um, your uh, finances and wealth, your country, your leaders, all the priorities. You pray thy kingdom come in my life, in me, around me, and through me. Your will be done. That's when you take the time. When I say your will be done today, God, that's when I take the time to download and listen to him. How would you have me order my steps today? How would you, what do you have for me to do today? And I stop and I listen and let God show me. Again, because I've spent time in the word, not because I'm hearing some random voices. I'm letting God show me what he has for my day, what I need to know for the day. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You get, and I, I proclaim this, you give me today what I need. You, you give me today my daily bread, all that I have need of, and you forgive me for my sins as I forgive others. And in that moment, I, I do a quick scan. Is there anything that is out of line with the will of God in my life that I need to be repentful for and remorseful for and correct? Is there anyone that I need to forgive? We have to forgive. We have to. Here's our forgiveness speaker, the, one of the best forgiveness speakers and authors I've ever heard in my life, Jason Romano. We have to forgive so that he can forgive us. And you lead me not into temptation. You lead me around evil. You deliver me from evil and what the evil one has planned for me. In that moment, I go to put on the full armor of God from Galatians. Um, I put on the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, shoes of the gospel, sword of the spirit, shield of faith. All of the, the armor of God, I put on my armor for the day. I'm prepared for the day. And then how does it end? Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. We end with praise again. So use those tools, the word of God, a good plan that gets you in the word. We need it every day to live. And start your day with the outline. Connect with him. Pray over your entire day and live in that place of prayer. That's what Jesus did. He went from place of prayer to place of prayer to place of prayer. And he went in power. And that same power lives in us as we seek to serve him. I didn't even get to half of what I wanted to share, but I hope that what I shared with you all is, is valuable. You can implement it into your own lives and see God's power at work in your life, revealing to you the specific things, even impossible things that he has for you and he has for your life. Walk in that power, walk in that joy, walk in that love. God bless you all. If you want to take part in the 2024 Christians Working in Sports Conference next summer in Minneapolis, Minnesota on June 21st and 22nd, visit the CWS Conference website 
by clicking the link in the description of this podcast. If you liked this podcast, be sure to catch new episodes of the Uncommon Podcast every other week on Thursdays at midnight Eastern time. Until next time, we pray that you will strive to be uncommon by glorifying the name of God in whatever you may do. See you soon.